This is Geek Gab with your hosts, Brian and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, May 20th, 2017. This is episode 99, the 99th episode of Geek Gab. And today, we are going to be talking about the brand new movie, which just came out Ridley Scott's Alien Covenant. But before we do, my co-host, Brian, host of the brand new show here on the Geek Gab Network, uh, on the books, wants to say hi. Hello. And there he people, is uh, showing up in the chat because we didn't realize that the subversive SF live stream, which you should, should also listen to after this, just got done. So good timing. I, uh, I'm on the subversive SF live stream pretty frequently, but this week they were talking about contracts, like contracts between a writer and a publishing house. And I have zero expertise in that area. I have nothing to add. So I didn't even ask to be on this week's show. I figured, you know what? I will let people who know what they're talking about go on and do that show because I would rather not be there than be there and say stupid stuff that everybody knows isn't true. Very wise. I don't have to pretend to know something I don't know. You know, if you pretend to know something that you don't really know, you never learn. You never gain in knowledge. And gaining in knowledge is more important than trying to look, you know, erudite and educated. Why try to uh, impress strangers? Um, they're just right, not. Just not worth it. Yeah, it, it's like uh, that phenomenon of, you know, if you. Uh, ask random people, oh, have you read this list of books? They will almost always lie. That they, They've read books they haven't read. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> especially people who um, have a full library of books they've never read. Yeah. There are plenty of books I've never read. I mean, I've never read Atlas Shrugged. I am using it to prop up my monitor right now. But, uh, yeah, I haven't read it yet. I'll, I'll admit it. Um, so, anyways, folks, so you can rest assured when you listen to us here at Geek Gab, we are not going to be talking to impress you. However, um, speaking of, uh, <laughs> of impressing you, um, I need to step out because apparently we have a small technical glitch going on. So I'm going to step out to kind of take care of that to fix it hopefully so that it doesn't ruin the rest of the show and while I step out um, I, I guess what we can do is talk about what we what you wanted to talk about before the show do you want to run okay. with that for a couple of minutes sure I'll run interference for you okay I'll be right back folks okay so uh, I Surprise, surprise, did not see the new movie, Alien Covenant, that Daddy Warpig is going to talk about today. What I did instead is go back and watch a classic. Because I have a friend who had never seen the original Godfather. 
I thought, oh, well, you you have to see that. So me and a couple of buddies got together, and you know we 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 did the lights. We had a, a single candle going on the on the you know on the table. So the ambiance was was great, and uh, we watched The Godfather. And man, I recommend watching classic movies with people who haven't seen them, uh, especially younger generations, because yeah, my buddy just came up with the most incisive take on the movie that, that I've heard in a while. And I hadn't watched it in a couple of years. So watching it now, I even noticed different stuff. So yeah, where, where to begin unpacking. Um, yeah, the, the, the main thing that you noticed was how much the movie glorified family. It, it's just all about family. And Hollywood doesn't do that anymore. Like, that's probably the main reason that a movie like The Godfather couldn't get made. And um, this might sound like a weird juxtaposition, but stay with me for a minute. Uh, the other guy we were watching it with compared it to the Transformers movies. Like, yeah, it's like Michael Bay's first Transformers. And we're like, oh, okay, we'll hear you out. But no, he pointed out how... You know, Sam gets caught with a hot girl in his bedroom by his parents, and they they encourage him, right? They kind of try to be more of his his friends and his parents. I mean, if Vito Corleone would have caught Sonny with some hot broad in his room when he was in high school, he, he would have had Polly send her home, and then kicked the crap out of Sonny. You know, in, in a loving fatherly way. Yeah, and like the chat's pointing out, yeah, you would you would never get the Godfather today. It just, it just couldn't be made. Well, I'm back. All right. Have I interrupted your point? Was there? No, that was a perfect segue. Actually go, go ahead. <laughs> Hopefully we've cleared up the technical problems here. Um, so I've done two different things related to space horror recently. Uh, one of which is I played through the entire video game of Prey. And the other one of which is I went and saw Alien Covenant. Now, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about Prey, or even if we do, we won't have time to talk about it in depth. But they both sort of exist in that same sphere of science fiction horror, or as it's known, techno horror. So people in the chat are wondering, what is it? What about Covenant is it? What is Covenant, Alien Covenant? My reply is this. I don't know what anyone else has said. But after having sat through the movie, my description of Covenant is this. Most of it is Prometheus. And the part that aren't Prometheus, the parts that aren't Prometheus is an inferior copy of James Cameron's Aliens. This, this movie rips off Aliens to an embarrassing degree. It steals whole plot points from 
aliens. Setup, situations, specific events. We may slide into spoiler territory here, folks. My, I hated this movie. And I took time to think about it. I didn't just sit down in the theater and say, oh, I'm going to hate this movie. And when I came out of the theater, I didn't know if I hated it or not. I knew I disliked it. I knew I didn't have a good time. But I didn't know if I hated it. So I waited and thought about it all day yesterday and this morning. And I've come to the conclusion that I hated Alien Covenant. It is. Absolutely, it has a massive budget. It is, on a technical level, impeccably done. The special effects are impeccable. The scenery, the costuming, the props, all of that is well done to a fantabulous degree. They even bothered to hire good actors to act in the movie. For example, if you've seen Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the chief horror chick, the lady who captures or has to deal with Newt's commander, the pseudo-romantic interest, Mary Waterston, she is in this movie as the main lead. Many of the rest of the actors you won't know because they're not, you know, they're not super famous, but uh, the, one of the other major characters is played by Danny McBride, who's a character actor who's shown up in a number of things. Um, if you haven't, if you know who he is, then you'll recognize, oh yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. He's that guy you may have seen in several things, including uh, The End of the World, the recent Hollywood um, horror movie. And he does a good job. He turns in a very credible performance. And of course they have um, Billy Crudup, who played the guitarist with Mystique in, um, in the rock and roll movie by Chris Columbus. And he also played Dr. Manhattan in the, you know, in the Watchmen movie. He's a great character actor. He does a great job in this movie, Almost Famous. That's the, uh, that's the movie, the rock and roll movie, which is a great movie. It's Cameron Crowe movie, great movie. And Billy Crudup is the lead guitarist for this band. He, he does an incredible job. If you've seen him in anything else, the fact that he could credibly pull off a charismatic 1970s rock and roll guitar artist on stage, the fact that he could credibly have the charisma to just overshine everybody else in the band. And they also underscored that with casting, but he, he's a great character actor. And he turns in a credible performance in this movie. What lets this movie down is not the actors. What lets this movie down is not the special effects. What lets this movie down is the script and the story and I'm tempted to say the direction. I think this movie establishes without any doubt whatsoever that James Cameron is a superior director to Ridley Scott. If not a superior director to the Ridley Scott of 30 years ago, he is absolutely superior to the Ridley Scott of today. That's a bold statement. 
Um, well, you said it in the chat, man. I don't you know, disagree. It's, <laughs> it's no, this, right. Have you do you, have you ever seen Train Spotting? Yes. The sick boy theory. Do you know what the sick boy theory is? I do. Do you want to give it to the audience? Yes, and I I believe that um, they're talking about the name of the rose by Umberto Eco, the the film version, and they're they're talking about Sean Connery as an actor. Do I do I have this right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because I saw this movie years ago. Yeah, so they're they're talking about Sean Connery's career and how Name of the Rose was really the the pinnacle. That was a high watermark. But then everybody, at a certain point, you have it, and then you've got it, you've still got it, you've still got it, still got it, but just barely, and then you've lost it, and you never get it back. Yeah. And and Ridley Scott has passed that point. He had it, he lost it, and according to the Sick Boy Theory, he'll never give it back. Prometheus was an unadulterated disaster. Again, save solely for the technical level, it was an unmitigated disaster. It was, I mean, and you could blame Prometheus on Damon Lindelof, who was also a a writer on Lost, the TV show. But this movie was not written by Damon Lindelof. You cannot blame Alien Covenant on him. and so it, it's, it's on the it's on the director himself for choosing such a terrible script and a script that so thoroughly apes aliens. It, it, it's painful. It's painful. Um, it, it's going to be a horrible spoiler to go through and list all the ways in which it apes um, aliens. But... They go down to the planet on a ship that drops from the belly of the starship they're on. A ship that drops, a a drop ship, if you will. And they sit in this drop ship in two rows of people and pull down harnesses to keep them in place during the drop. And they get down to the planet and bad things happen. And the drop ship gets blown up, stranding them on the planet. And another character has to fly a secondary ship down to pick up the survivors of which there are, well, few. It's an Aliens movie. If you don't know that there's going to be few survivors, then... Really, you haven't watched any of the previous films. You should know that already. And then, somehow, the alien stows aboard this second ship. And when they get back to the starship, it escapes. They have to deal with it on the starship. And eventually... And I'm sorry, I'm spoiling things heavily. So those of you in the audience, I apologize. There is an end to the movie, and it involves ejecting the alien out the airlock. In fact, hitting it with a piece of equipment to knock it out of the airlock. Um, And then there's the quote-unquote twist ending after that 
which if you don't see the twist ending coming 50 miles away, you've never watched a modern movie because it is the most obvious, most telegraphed, least surprising, crappiest twist ending. It is a twist ending that is dwarfed in its artistic effect in its beauty, in its surprise, it is dwarfed by the twist ending of any given random Nightmare on Elm Street movie from the 80s. Okay? Um, I, I cannot tell you how disappointed I am in this movie. And I didn't, I hated Prometheus. I am disappointed, so greatly disappointed in this movie. It is nonsensical. Plot points happen for no good reason. Um, there is the return of David, the blonde artificial person from Prometheus, and he does a bunch of weird stuff. And again, we're in spoiler territory here, folks. I just want to tell you how bad it is. David himself created the species of that we know as the alien xenomorph he created it he designed it he bred it after infecting dozens or hundreds of organisms with this fungoid parasite it's awful it's awful um I just, it's physically painful to recount how much this movie rips off every other previous Alien movie and every other previous Alien comic and every other previous non-canon Alien comic like Batman versus Alien or Superman versus Alien. If you've seen it once or if you've read any of these comics, you can almost beat for beat repeat what's going to be in this movie because there isn't anything original nothing nothing in this movie is original um i mean even the sort of original stuff was just stolen from prometheus and it was two hours of dread now, in a horror movie, you might think, oh, yeah, dread, that's a good thing. You want to dread. You want to be worried for our main characters, a sense of dread. Why, if a director can establish a sense of dread, that's exactly the kind of thing you want in a horror movie. You want the audience to be on the edge of their seats. You want the audience to be worrying about the fate of these characters. You want the audience to be invested in the events of the movie. This is not that kind of of dread it's just it's the kind of dread that comes from knowing what's coming next and knowing how badly it's going to suck and realizing that you have to sit here and experience it and you can't escape much like the literal sense in which people on the ship couldn't escape the alien i in a figurative sense sitting there in the theater could not escape the movie for two reasons one i had a good friend of mine with me and we were seeing the movie together and two, I had to come on the show today and talk about it, and I just, so I had to finish it. I was stuck in the theater. Um, let me give you one tiny example of the stupidity of this movie. 
They discover this planet, which is an Earth-like planet, which is a garden planet. They're on a colony ship. And so the captain decides to divert the colony ship because this is just a couple of weeks' journey to go to this new planet. And to get to the planet they're originally going to is seven years. And the ship has had problems. There was a sudden unexplained event that damaged part of the ship. So the captain decides to divert to this Earth-like planet because they can scout it and see if it would make a better target for colonization than the world that they were originally going to see. And the super psychic main character chick, Catherine Waterston, says, oh no, I don't think we should go. Why? Well, I've read the script and bad things will happen if we go, so please don't go. And the captain says, no, I've got to be responsible. And this is a garden planet. It's the best planet we've ever heard of. It beats every single projection we've had for this other planet. And, and there's no reason. There's no sensible reason, there's no sane reason why we wouldn't go investigate. And she says to him, grabs him by the lapels and screams, but we're in an alien movie, you jackass! If we go to this planet, we're all going to die! He goes to the planet anyway. And they immediately switch the goal, by the way, when they get to this planet, is to observe the planet to see observe just observe the planet to see if it's colonizable now one might think that having two ships capable of descending from a starship to the planet's surface and in point of fact being in a starship whose entire mission in life is to colonize another world that they don't know the details of, one would think that this starship was equipped with satellites or drones or even cameras on the ship itself with which you could use, with which you could observe the surface of the planet to gather information about prominent features of the terrain and possibly any local biological threats. One would think a colony ship would be well-equipped in that area if they're going to a planet that they haven't explored in depth and indeed don't know that much about. And yet, as soon as they get to the planet, the mission changes from observing the world and there's like 15 or so crew members. The mission changes from observing the world to loading up 12 members of the crew into the dropship, but not in spacesuits, not in pressure suits, not in anything that would give them protection from any native life, just shoving them willy-nilly into the dropship kicking it out the door and sending them down to the surface of the planet without even a courtesy of flying around the world once to gather more in-depth information. And right before they launch, they discern, they're chasing a signal, by the way, 
something that is ripped off of the very first Alien movie, which at least you can say Ridley Scott is ripping himself off. They're chasing a signal that they have received. So there's a reason for them to go down to the signal because it's been years, maybe decades since the signal was sent out. So obviously they need to go to the planet right now and can't wait a couple of hours to do basic survey. While they're getting ready to leave, they notice a vast storm coming in over the area they're going to land on. They describe it as a hurricane. And their response to this is just to load everybody up in the lander and take off. Not even worrying about it. That is just one small example of the massive gaping plot holes in this movie. It was painful to watch because you knew it wasn't going to be getting any better. And it didn't. I'm going to pause to drink a little bit of water and let Brian recover from his shock and maybe ask a question or two. <laughs> yeah. So is there a protagonist? Yeah. The, the main character, Catherine Waterston's character is the protagonist. Okay, what does she want? Um, they never established that, really. Yeah, Once she gets exactly. to the planet, she wants to survive. <laughs> okay, uh, but, like, see, a protagonist wants something concrete, has obstacles placed in the way by an antagonist, and it really needs to be established in, like, the first scene with that character. Did they do that? Oh, actually, no. This is what she wants to do. Okay. And I'm not making this up. You wish I was making this up, but I'm not making this up. In the very first minutes of the movie, a fire breaks out on the ship, and it mm -hmm. kills the former captain. It kills the original captain. Billy Crudup's character, Dr. Manhattan's character, has to step up. He's the first officer, has to become the captain. It is established that what she wants to do is to build a log cabin on the shores of a lake. Like her and her husband, she is married to the captain who died in the fire, mm. the crispy corpse. Um, She's married to him. Their goal was to go to this colony planet and build a log cabin by the shores of the lake. And that's what she talks about during the entire movie. She wants to build a log cabin by the shores of a lake. Oh, okay. And uh, Captain Crispy gets in the way of that. No, he dies. That's her husband. He's dead. Yeah. He, he gets burned up. He, he yeah. dies. Yeah, that's how. That's how he gets in the way by dying. Um, and yeah. then the new captain, Billy Crudup's character... Uh, who is a presented as being a strongly religious Christian person who's worried about being on the ship because he knows that everyone else on the ship doubts him because he's a man of, I'm not making this up, this is exactly what's in the movie, doubts him because he's a man of faith. And so he has to show them that he's confident that he can lead the crew. So the very first thing this Christian man of faith does is snap at the crew and deny them 10 minutes to have a memorial service for the dead captain while they kick his body out into space. It says, absolutely not. We have to fix the ship. We've got 48 hours. We cannot spare 10 minutes to give the other 11 people who are grieving for the loss of a charismatic and beloved captain. We can't spare them 10 minutes 
to say we love you and we're sad this happened and we're sorry and we're rejecting you. No, no, no. We have to start right now. See, the idiocy starts right out of the gate. Yeah. See, if Prometheus hadn't convinced me pretty thoroughly that Ridley Scott had never met, let alone talked to a practicing Christian, you just <laughs> clinched it right there. <laughs> um, it is... Uh, it's a disaster. And, and the actors are do, doing their best to turn in good performances with absolutely nonsensical crap. At one point in time, here's another bit of nonsensical crap. David, the android, formerly blonde, now with dark roots because his hair grows out. I don't know how android hair grows out. I got the opinion from watching the other androids in the earlier movies that they did not have organic parts that could grow out. Uh, Bishop and uh, the guy who played, you know, the guy in The Hobbit, or the guy in The Lord of the Rings who played you know, um, The Hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, you got the feeling that they were artificial people, that their nails didn't grow, that their hair didn't grow, that they couldn't heal themselves. They had to be repaired like mechanical objects. They were, in point of fact, inside mechanical. They only looked biological. But no, no, David's hair grows out, and you see dark roots. Where I know it's why. I know why they they introduced that. You're not going to like it because of Blade Runner. They're transitioning to make David look more like a replicant. The um, oh yeah, Ian Holm. Sorry, Ash and Ian Holm. Roland Dobbins dropped that into the chat. Um, so David at one point catches, stops a proto alien. This is one of the pale, soft skin aliens that he has later, you know, he has genetically modified to be the hard shell black aliens that we know. This proto alien doesn't even have uh, acid for blood. David gave them the acid for blood. And the captain shoots the alien all to pieces, and David flies into a rage and almost attacks the captain. And at this point, if you've got an android who is worshiping a vile predator who's already killed three members of your crew and is in point of fact standing in front of the decapitated corpse of another member of your crew trying to tell you how worthwhile and awesome and and how you know awful it would be to kill this alien because they're worthwhile and good and he can establish a rapport with them you're facing an artificial person who says that. You're, they're not human. Your immediate response, and the captain, Billy Crudup, is holding a machine gun. Your immediate response should be to pull the trigger and leave it on until the clip empties and blow David into the next, you know, whatever afterlife may await toasters and artificial people, androids. The captain doesn't do that. He does not shoot the clearly insane, the clearly maniacal, the clearly psychopathic android in the face again and again and again with 30 bullets. He instead allows himself to be talked into going downstairs and to sticking his face right into one of the eggs. David talks him into that. 
That's how awful the movie is. David must be one heck of a salesman. So, it was an awful movie. It was a painful movie. I've spoiled the hell out of it, and I just don't care. If you have been spoiled, if this movie, if this review here has spoiled you for seeing this movie, then I have saved you several hours of your life. This is the other thing. This is the clincher. Ridley Scott thinks he's making another Star Trek The Motion Picture. He thinks he's making deep, dramatic, grand, operatic science fiction. And really what he's making is a monster movie in space. That's what he's making, a monster movie in space. All you have to do is what James Cameron did. Make it scary, make it thrilling, keep it moving, keep the audience on the edge of their seats, because that's what Aliens is. Aliens is not Solaris. Aliens is not that crazy time-traveling movie Hugh Jackman was in with uh, Rachel Weiss. I, I can't remember the title of it, but it's, uh, it's long, it's slow, it's operatic, not much happens. There's just lots and lots of shots, and it, it moves really slow. Oh, The Fountain. That's right. It's called The Fountain. Um, this is not The Fountain, all right? It's a monster movie in space. All you have to do is make the monster scary, don't violate previous continuity, and make us afraid for the characters and keep the action moving. That's it. And that's exactly the opposite of what he does. James Cameron knew aliens, the creature, the xenomorph, a thousand times better than Ridley Scott ever did. James Cameron made a brilliant, thrilling, landmark science fiction movie that stole all the science fiction tropes and put them into one movie and did it so well, he left his stamp on all military SF afterwards. Everyone else after Aliens is either trying to get away from it so it doesn't make it seem like they're copying it or just copying it. And it was a brilliant movie. This is not a brilliant movie. And it's not the movie that Ridley Scott thought he was making. That's final verdict. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably more details I could dig out if I wanted to wanted to go back in. The Hugh Jackman movie I'm talking about is called The Fountain. It's about this guy and this woman who were born and die and go through different ages. At one point, he's a Spaniard, a Spanish conquistador. And eventually, in order to resurrect her, he gets inside this magic bubble with this tree and they float across the galaxy and stuff. It's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous special effects because of how the special effects were made. They were not computer generated. And I'm going to talk about this because I'm done with Alien Covenant. And I want to share something cool about movie making with you. The Fountain came out in 2006. It's 11 years old. All of the star fields and nebulas and various things you see are actually miniature shots 
of practical effects that are various powders and fluids, oils and, and cumin and pepper and things like that, shot on a very, very thin surface, very, very close by a high magnification camera. It makes the look of the movie utterly unique and gorgeous. The movie is long, it is slow, it is confusing, and it is boring. But the special effects that they used to generate the scenes of being in space and being in nebulas and something are gorgeous. They're beautiful. They are one of a kind. And if you're a cinephile, if you like seeing people do imaginative things with movies, The Fountain with Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz uh, has some great stuff in it. You could go see it. Um, in fact, despite how long and slow and boring it is, it is much, much better than Alien Covenant. Well, that, um, that, that's pretty damning because I saw the fountain, didn't like it at all. There's very little to like about the movie. <laughs> but no, you're right, it's gorgeous. It, it is absolutely stunning to look at. Um, and by the way, uh, Ridley Scott said he could make six more sequels after this one. <laughs> six more alien sequels, which, you know, frankly makes me want to weep tears of blood. That's, uh, yeah. we'll, it's we'll awful, awful movie. We'll Terrible. <laughs> and, and, and Ridley Scott was so jealous of District 9. Have you seen District 9? Yes. That director has had done some other movies that were had a lot of great and imaginative things about them, but just kind of almost failed to be satisfying stories. Neil Bloomkamp, all right, has done some great movies that just barely failed to be satisfying stories after District 9. Specifically, I'm thinking of Chappie and Elysium. So, he had made a new Aliens movie that ignored Ripley dying in the Ironworks on Fury. That's Alien 3. And ignored Ripley being cloned in Alien Resurrection. Just wiped them out. Completely wiped them out of continuity. He made up an entire new movie with with Ripley, with Hicks, and with Newt. This is to be a true sequel to Aliens. And because Sigourney Weaver was in Chappie, he had the opportunity to talk to her about it while they were on the set of the movie, and she agreed to do it. She was excited to finally see a good ending to Ripley's story. They released some concept art, and it a lot of it looked really strange, and I was kind of like, huh, I don't know if that's going to work or not. I'd like to see, but a lot of it was really cool and compelling. You got to see Hicks with his face scarred up from the acid, and, and it just looked like just the very uh, thought that he was wiping out of continuity Alien 3 and 4 was exciting. 
And then Ridley Scott came out with Prometheus, which was universally pretty much loathed and panned. But people still talk Fox. The people who own the rights to the characters still talked about Neil Bloomkamp doing this other movie. Once Prometheus was out, that he could do this movie. And that's when Ridley Scott went back and said, no, 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 I'm doing uh, this other movie, and now it's officially a prequel. Because Prometheus, he was kind of fooling around saying it. Maybe it was a prequel, maybe it wasn't a prequel. And now he was saying, no, 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 it's officially a prequel, and I'm going to call it Alien, and it's officially in the line, and I'm going to do six sequels! Oh. Ridley, it... Ridley Scott killed Neil Bloomkamp's Alien sequel, Aliens sequel, because of his ego. And so instead of whatever Neil Bloomkamp could have delivered, which might have been great, it might have been awful, it might have been mediocre, I'm not trying to say it would be a golden gift from the science fiction horror gods, Ridley Scott killed it because of his ego. That's and instead, the, we got Alien Covenant. That's not even the, the worst thing that Ridley Scott's ego did recently. Because Prometheus and uh, Alien Covenant not only killed Neil Bloomkamp's project, they killed Guillermo del Toro's At the Mountains of Madness adaptation. That's, uh, that's regrettable. Yeah. Because he was all set to do it, and it had been in negotiations with the studio for years, and... Then he like heard about Prometheus. Is like, oh, well, this is too close to what I want to do. So I don't want people comparing it or saying that I ripped off Ridley Scott. So I'm not going to do it. Well, I had to bring you down, folks. But frankly, if I saved you from going and spending money on this movie, if you're a diehard Alien fan and you just have to keep up with all the movies then wait till it comes to Redbox and spend a couple of bucks to rent it. Don't go see it in the theaters. It's awful. It's two hours of boredom and awfulness. So, uh, by the way, Dornall just, uh, Dornall was having personal problems, not technical problems, but he wasn't able to be with us uh, during the first part of the show. So um, we do thank him for showing up uh, and hope that everything has been cleared up. Um. I don't it know, was, man. It's, it's good to be here. <laughs> did you go see Alien Covenant? I did not, uh, which is good because uh, actually I had technical problems on top of the personal problems. I was unavailable for the show, but of course, like everybody else, I have a phone that can use Google Hangouts, but it was out of juice. So uh, I couldn't even do use the backup plan. But I, I sat down and I'm like, let me see if these guys are, are, are just about wrapping up here. And as soon as I, I sign in and start listening, Daddy Warpig says, that's how bad the movie is. <laughs> I'm glad to clarify it because when we got the message, we said, I'm, I'm out of juice. We didn't know what he meant. Like, we didn't know, it, is he out of gas in his car? Is it his phone? Or were you out of juice boxes? Because you get grumpy when you haven't had your juice. So we, we were worried. In fact, I do have a uh, what's left of a Dr. Pepper right next to me, so I've had I have had my juice. All right, all right. Well, um, I uh, Brian, do you know what you're doing this next week? I do. So this Wednesday, this time at 
noon Eastern to accommodate our guest. On the books is featuring author Declan Finn, author of the Love at First Bite series of vampire novels, as well as the Pious Trilogy. And um, so that is Wednesday, 12 noon Eastern? Correct. All right, so that is uh, Geek Gab on the books. Um, and uh, by all means, you know, check it out. Uh, both of the other episodes of On the Books are, of course, available youtube.com slash geekgab. And if you're subscribed through uh, to our podcast network through iTunes, you'll automatically get those in your feed. Um, John, you have a show this week, don't you? I do. I am planning on doing a show Thursday night. It'll be another RPG special. I don't have any guests ready to announce yet, but it'll be the same old stuff. We're going to talk about the nuts and bolts of actually playing a game at the table. Excellent. That is Geek Gab Game Night. So that'll be this Thursday. Um, are you time to wrap this up? Do you guys have any final words before we go? Well, just as always, this, this is Space Hopper Week. This is the last day of Space Hopper <laughs> Week, actually. And I haven't written three order-winning fan-pleasing space operas, the, the Soul Cycle. You can find links to them in the show notes below. So check them out. Do not listen to anyone who tells you that Alien Covenant is space opera. They are lying to you. They hate you, and they want you to suffer. Um, any last any last words, uh, John? Well, thanks for keeping the show running till I got home. It's uh, great hearing <laughs> from you guys, and thank you for saving me the time and money on that. Uh, that uh, I'm not. I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of the show because I need to know how you came to the conclusion that it was boring. I don't know how an alien movie could be boring, but if it happened, God help us all. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I might be talking about Prey. Turns out we didn't have enough time to talk about Prey because of technical issues. Uh, but Brian was able to ably step in and talk about The Godfather. I suspect that I'm going to be writing about Prey, though, for my Castalia House blog post. Links to which will be included in the description uh, of the below the video here, and uh, you can check it out. I'll be talking about Prey and some interesting things with that. Uh, I played through the game, and I've also been taking screenshots because there's some cool, um, just some cool stuff going on with Prey that I want to talk about. Uh, so I, I can give you a quick verdict of though of Prey. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I enjoyed it a lot, um, and I'll talk about the rest of that probably in my Steely House blog post. So, um, folks, we just want to remind you that uh, Geek Gab is available on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekgab. You can, if you are uh, canny and wise, as we know our audience to be, double secret subscribe to Geek Gab. Click on subscribe and then click on the little bell icon that will ensure that you receive the announcements for all the shows that are going on the Geek Gab Network because we have on the books about writing and the business of writing and things like that. We have Geek Gab Game Night, which is about RPGs and being a game master and running RPGs and all of that fun stuff. And we also have Geek Gab Prime, which is about the stuff that you have come to know and love. If you do not super double secret subscribe on YouTube, you will not receive emails announcing the next show. I don't know why they do it that way, but that's the way you YouTube does it. So click on subscribe and then click on the little bell icon. In addition, 
We are available on iTunes. We are available on the Google Play Store. And we're available on SoundCloud. Subscribe to the podcast. You can download it to any of your mobile devices, Android or iOS. Or you can listen on the web at SoundCloud if you wish to be free. If you wish to be independent of megalithic corporate masters, you can listen to us on SoundCloud. We uh, are here just about every week. We've been doing really good recently. We've been here every single week for a long time. And uh, we're signing off for today. Thanks for tuning into our show about Alien Covenant. We are leaving. We're signing off. We're going away for until next Saturday. But please, don't fret. We will be back.